Hi everyone. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Matteo and I work here uh, at Christ Church. And probably I just want to let you know that if you don't know me from a long time, uh, and probably even if you know, know me since last year, it's not sure that you know that I used to work in hospitality industry before to join the Bible College, so be more than four years ago, actually. And many times, actually, I've found myself working with children in restaurants or, yeah, coffee shops. And during those times, let's say, uh, I developed the idea that children are not always the most angelic beings that we know or that we like to think about. For example, once I was, I was carrying a tray full of drinks and I was walking in balance uh, between tables full of people and a um, four or five-year-old boy, a very innocent guy, <laughs> decided to trip me up. And you can imagine that I fell flat on the floor like this. It was a very smooth fall, but it was great. And all the drinks were falling with me. And so you can understand, you can see where I come from when I, when I say that for me, children are not always the most angelic beings. <laughs> Although I love them, don't get me wrong, I love children. Now, I think I can relate even to some of the things that are going on in this passage. Um, now, I just want to start from saying that the teaching that Jesus is giving to his disciple. Um, that we read in this passage, or that we just read, is very important. Let's read that together. In verse 14 and 15, Jesus says this, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will not enter it, will never enter it. Some scholars I was uh, studying uh, uh, in the preparation, during the preparation of this sermon, they will say that this passage is too often overlooked because many treat this passage just like um, a story in which we are told that Jesus loves children, Jesus loves children and that's it. And there is a truth in that, of course. I think that Jesus loves children, but I think there is much more to this passage in the first place, for example, we see that Jesus' teaching is not addressed to children, but it's addressed to adults, and particularly those are adults that were following him, were following Jesus in the past two years. The teaching is addressed to the, Peter, the, to the people that we know, that they will become Peter, Mark, John, no, Mark, sorry, Peter, John, Matthew, James, those people that we know about. These men would have had great knowledge of who Jesus is, or his teaching, as we read throughout the Bible in the New Testament. Um, but let me tell you that in this particular occasion, as many times during the lifetime of Jesus, they fail to get what Jesus wants them to understand. Now, to better understand what's going on here, it's helpful to say that Children were not actually well seen in that moment. All the young children 
that were not capable of understanding of, of teachings and things that were going on with rabbi and disciples, they were seen as a distraction. Some would say that they were seen like time waster for the teachers. So now I want to ask you a question. If you would put yourself in this story, on which side would you stand? And let me tell you that probably the experience I had in restaurants and coffee shops with children will make me definitely stay on the side of the disciples trying to hinder children uh, to come to Jesus. But let's start um, from what does it mean actually to receive the kingdom of God. It's a big expression, but actually in John chapter 1, the fourth gospel, John kind of tells us what does it mean to receive in the Bible. And he says this in verse 12. He says, Yet to hold who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So see, to receive the kingdom of God, I think can be equally balanced to, to, to receive him, to receive Jesus which means to believe him. And this is where our teaching starts from, I think. In fact, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So can you imagine um, the disciples actually thinking they are doing something good because they probably believe that to hinder people uh, or children to take to, to arrive to Jesus uh, was something good. They were probably thinking, see Jesus, see Jesus, we are taking away burdens from you. We want you to carry on with your teaching. And yet, I think that what Jesus says here is actually like a, a bomb that is dropped among the disciples. And an awkward silence probably just falls down with that bomb among the disciples. So can you see that the point that Jesus is making, to have faith like a little children, like one of these, is much bigger than the point of, oh, Jesus loves children. So what does it mean, actually, to receive the kingdom of God like a child? What does it mean to have faith like a child? You know, we, I think we clearly live in a society that pushes us to base our faith on evidence. Um, there is uh, the famous Sagan standard that says this, extraordinary claims requires extraordinary evidence. So, as basis of our faith, we often uh, place evidence. So we go and look for evidence, um, and probably the result of that research is just a logical consequence. Instead of what actually Hebrews 11 says, for example, uh, the Bible tells us what faith is. And uh, Hebrews 11 says this. It says, I'm just waiting for that to come up. It's not coming? That's fine. So Hebrews 11 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Can you see that the actually basis of, of faith, the biblical basis of faith, is not evidence. Although that is part of our faith, 
don't get me wrong, but hope and assurance are the basis of our faith. And let's see in the, in the context of this passage how this how faith relates to the behavior of these two groups of people that we are presented. On one side we have the disciples, and on one side we have children and those who are taking the children to Jesus. The disciples, uh, they have a nice um, reaction, I would say. They are doing something they think is good, as I said. But think about this. We read that in verse 16, Jesus is indignant at them. And think about this. This is the only account in which we are told that Jesus is indignant. And the same word that is used here is used when the Pharisees are trying to kill Jesus, when those who are, were opposing Jesus were trying to kill him. So can you see how disappointed Jesus was, how angry probably he was? And I want you to think about this. You know, it's very easy to get over the disappointment with someone we don't know. When someone, for example, cut us off on the road um, with the car, you get mad at him, and probably that thing will ruin you the rest of your day, but the day after, you are fine. But when it's actually someone who we love that disappoints us, how much harder it is to get over it? And Jesus here is angry, is indignant with those whom he loves, those who were following him in the past three years, those that we know that they will become the apostles, the disciples, the founder of the church. And yet, Jesus says to them, they, oh, sorry, I'll go back a bit, and they think they are doing good, but Jesus says to them, look, you actually need to be like one of those children. You have to be like one of those people you are rejecting. And then on the other side, we have these people uh, who probably have nothing but these children, and they carry them, they take them to Jesus to actually, because they hope that to see Jesus, to receive his blessing, will make a difference. So faith, hope, and insurance, assurance. Can you see how these people place their hope and assurance on Jesus? And so I want to ask you the same question I asked at the beginning again. I want to ask you, if now you were to place yourself in the story, where would you stand? Would you stand with the disciples trying to do good to Jesus? Or would you stand with the, this, with the people, with the children? What does it mean to have a faith like a child? I think to have a faith like a child, it doesn't mean to have a blind faith, like I was saying. It doesn't mean that we don't have to look for evidence for it. But actually, I think it means to wholly trust God and be eager or curious to get to know him more. I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I was a very, very curious child. I liked to touch everything. Uh, 
And one day, well, one year, we went on holiday with my family in Venice, and we went to Murano. Now, I don't know if you are, you are familiar with Murano, but it's the place where the, there is the, how do you call it, the glass blowing, I think, where you blow the glass and you make this wonderful piece of art. And after the show, after the demonstration of this artisan who was blowing the glass, and out of a, a bowl of glass, he made a wonderful horse, we had to walk through this shop because, of course, you have to buy some of the stuff. But the thing is, I was a curious kid again, and uh, all the artworks that were displayed were not at child-friendly height, let's say. They were very easily reachable, let's say. And so my parents knew I, was, I liked to touch stuff, and they were terrified about this. They were so terrified that my father was walking behind me with hands like this, trying to stop any single movement I could make, trying to reach the glasses. I think curiosity is a huge part of children's character. To explore the world, to find new things, I think it's something that is very common in children. And the Bible tells us this about being eager to know and curiosity about faith. In 2 Peter 3 and verses 18, the Apostle Peter probably was one of those disciples that was trying to stop the people to arrive to Jesus. But he says this in his second letter, as last words actually, they are recorded of him. He says this, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Can you see how years after the account of Mark 10, Peter summarizes, actually, he adds to what does he mean to have a faith like, faith like a child. He says this, grow in your knowledge. Grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that was, from, I, I think, especially, especially grace was something that was not that common among the disciples at that time when they were stopping the children. So in the first stage of childlike faith, we see that to having a childlike faith means actually to believe in Jesus. Or to use Mark's word, it means to receive the kingdom of Jesus. And then the next stage is to actually grow. Every child grows. And so we should grow our faith like a child. But let me tell you that you don't need, of course, to be a theologian to have a childlike faith or to grow. Or you don't need to know all the Bible by heart. Now, if you, do, if you can do it, I'm impressed. But you don't, need to go even, you don't even need to go to the Bible college. But what does it take to grow a relationship with God? It's a huge effort. And a genuine and simplicity of heart. A genuine reliance on His grace and simplicity of heart. 
So now I don't know if you, at the moment, you are in the first stage where you are trying to figure out what does it mean to believe in God, or if probably you are trying to grow your relationship with God. I know that it's not easy at all on both stages, especially in the business of life. Sometimes um, to grow faith can really become like growing a flower out of frozen asphalt. So I had this image today. I was driving to Manchester and was everything frozen. Sorry. <laughs> I was arriving to Manchester airport. I was tra traveling back and everything was frozen. And I think that nothing can come out of that kind of ice. It was very thick. And yet, Peter encourages us to grow. While Jesus is telling us, take the step of faith like a child. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as this, Mark says in verse 14, Jesus' words. You know, there is a strong element of grace in this passage. Because, see, those children who were taken, who were brought by their parents, probably, to Jesus, they were doing nothing to deserve the kingdom of God. And yet, at the end of the stories, those who thought that they were doing a good job, they were told to be like one of them. To be pure of heart. You know, grace is exactly there. I think that grace is not deserving yet giving. Those children didn't deserve the bless of Jesus. And yet, Jesus was given to them. You know, a different view of faith, which is mainly more like the disciples one, is that you have to work hard for your salvation. That you have to save yourself. That financial security will save you. That probably... You have to learn the next lesson every time to be successful. Which is pretty much what the disciples were doing. They were trying to hinder the children to learn the next lesson on how to reach the kingdom of God. And then on the other side, we see these children, parents, who hoped and have had the assurance that Jesus can make a difference. I think that the main point of this passage is that disciples missed the point of what faith was. And I think that many times, even us, we can miss the point of faith. We probably think that faith is a bunch of of rules, a list of rules, or verses to learn. Or probably on the other side, we think that God is the Lord just partially in our lives. I think that Mark's gospel today, this passage is actually telling us a story of a simple faith but genuine, a faith that is wholly trusting God holding on to the understanding that God loves us no matter what.
with our imperfections and with our failures. And I know that, again, this is a difficult step to take and it is much more difficult to grow our faith. But think about this, think about the fact that this word actually claims evidence for anything. Ask you the next lesson to take for being successful. And yet, Jesus is saying, look, you have to receive the kingdom of God, but actually it's me welcoming you. Because I love you. This is what Jesus says in this passage. Like a parent, a parent loves his children. I think the beauty of childlike faith is not only trusting wholeheartedly God, but also having the hope and assurance that doesn't matter what you're going through now, if it's a joyful period or is or if probably it's the most sorrowful period of your life. But God is with you like a loving father. You know, going back to my initial story, I genuinely think that children at times can be very cheeky. If you are a parent, probably your child or children sometimes can cause some stress to you. doesn't matter if they are young, very young, if they are toddlers, or if they probably are in their 40s, 50s, or my age. I cause many stress to my parents. But there is something that we can learn from children, for sure. And what we can learn is their genuineness in relying on you as a parent or on those who are close to them. And we can learn their curiosity in wanting to learn new things, and we can apply this curiosity in our faith. A total hope and assurance of God's love for us. This is what simple faith or childlike faith is. But it needs to be fed, nursed, So now I want to ask you again the same question I've asked you two times during this sermon. If you were to place yourself in this story now, where would you stand? I said that we don't need to be a theologian to have a childlike faith. And yet I'm now quoting a theologian, a very famous theologian actually, um, who lived in the 20th century. He was called Karl Barth. And there is a story about him that during a Q&A after a long speech, a seminary uh, in Chicago, one of the students that was attending the seminary, he asked to him, to Karl Barth, someone who has studied the Bible for a long time of his life. And he said to, the, to, to him, this student, asked him, if you could summarize your theology in one sentence, what that would be? And the answer is this. Karl Barth, this theologian, says to him, in the words of a song I learned 
In the words of a song I learned at my mother's knee. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Can you see how the, entirely, the entire Bible can actually summarize in a children's song? I think that the entire Bible, now I want to be a bit cheeky here, and although it's no song of songs, I want to say something. The whole Bible, the entire Bible, is a love story between God and humans, ultimately displayed in the reconciliating work of Christ Jesus, but they can be summarized in the words of our children's song. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. How beautiful it is. 